everybody. Glad to have you along with us this morning. Uh, we are beginning a new book today. We are beginning the um, book of Ephesians. Uh, it is one of the four uh, epistles that uh, Paul likely wrote from prison, which would also include Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, books which we have just finished. And uh, uh, so kind of within that Within that motif, that theme, that place where Paul was writing from, uh, from a rose, uh, from a Roman prison, uh, and to see what he has to say to people, even though he's in prison, I mean he he's not, he is not uh, in a place of whining and complaining about his lot. No, he is he is using the occasion to further the gospel. He is using the occasion to strengthen the believers. He is using the occasion to inspire folks about who Jesus is and about who they are in him. 
Uh, and really, this book that we're jumping into really comes in two parts. The first three chapters are, are highly uh, doctrinal, theological. I mean, they, they, they provide the foundation. Along the way, there have been people who've, who would say, well, what's the big deal that with, with the doctrine anyway? I mean, we just need to be practical. But if you don't have the foundation, then the, then the practical can quickly go awry. And so it's important that we get the foundations in place. Paul knew that. So as he wrote to the Ephesians, he was writing to help them solidify the foundations, their belief system, uh, how they think, how they perceive the world, their worldview, and uh, all that he writes in these chapters, especially the first three chapters, really help to solidify who who it is that Christ is and who it is that we are meant to be in him. Then when you get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, it gets highly practical in terms of how then we relate to each other. And uh, so I, I'm excited to, to work our way through uh, this. There's just so much in these books. Uh, as you know, I, I just love to sit here and uh, teach as I do. I, there's probably nothing I like to do more than just open up the Bible with people and uh, I think it's my calling in life. I, I met with some pastors yesterday and was just talking about the sense of calling, and uh, this is it. In fact, I'm going to try to take it up another notch here in the next week, and I am re- now recording uh, the audio version of what we're doing to create a, a podcast as well, trying to determine if I do that under veracity and or under my own name is just because there's complications and, and whatnot that I need to think through. So uh, anyway, uh, that will be forthcoming, that those will become available maybe next week uh, as we uh, uh, try to uh, extend our reach a little bit further. Ephesians is where we are going to be camped today. Uh, I don't know that we're going to get through a lot of Ephesians. If you're following along in your Bible or if you have a notebook and a pen, you might want to get those out so that uh, you can take notes if you like to do that. If not, if you are busy making bacon and eggs. Enjoy those bacon and eggs. Uh, I can have bacon and eggs. I can have bacon and eggs, and eggs with cheese and eggs with mayo uh, and uh, things like I can have sausage. In fact, I'm leaving here to meet with a young man as soon as the broadcast is over. I'm going to start meeting every week. He's a college student. While he's home, we'll meet each week uh, here until he goes back to school and uh, just the, the point of, of helping him to grow further uh, in his uh, uh, his walk with Christ, his relationship with Jesus, that is why I'm doing that. Now, I, I need to uh, uh, turn my attention over to the other screen and uh, uh, because I have some notes here that I, I need to highlight uh, out of the book of uh, Ephesians, some of the background. I mean, so it, it, this is a brief time at the end of Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, and then also for about two years during his third missionary journey, uh, Paul ministered to the church in Ephesus. If we were to go back into the book of Acts, uh, in fact, I'll take you to the book of Acts. In uh, chapter 18, we, we see where Paul is, um, where Paul is in Book of Acts, and where he is in Ephesians. So let me get the screen up there so you can see it. Down at verse uh, eighteen through twenty-one, 
that speaks about this. Um, it says, Paul stayed a while longer in Corinth, but then it was time to take leave of his friends. Saying his goodbyes, he sailed for Syria, Priscilla and Aquila with him. Before boarding the ship in the harbor town of Centria, he had his head shaved as a part of a vow he had taken. They landed in Ephesus, where Priscilla and Aquila got off and stayed. Paul left the ship briefly to go to the meeting place and to preach to the Jews. They wanted him to stay longer, but he couldn't stay. But after saying goodbye, he promised, I'll be back, uh, God willing, from Ephesus. Then he sailed to uh, Caesarea. He greeted the assembly of Christians there and then on to Antioch, completing the journey. Uh, I, I just have to tell you that um, as I as I look at this, I guess I didn't put it up there for you to see. As I look at this, one of the things that, that burns within my own heart uh, is, is the, the, the travel aspect of what uh, Paul did here. Uh, now, I, I like to travel for vacations and to see things, and I like to travel for study, um, but I also would, would welcome traveling for, um, for the sake of the gospel and I'm trying to figure out some of that. Now, some of you would be like, not me. I like just staying rooted right here where I am in Maine. And that is good. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, I have invitations from Philippines, invitations from Africa, uh, invitations from other places to go and uh, to figure out how to work that in. Part of, part of my wrestling with uh, whether to put my new podcast under my name or uh, make it a part of the Veracity Chapel ministry is that I need to create a funding stream uh, to help support some of that travel and uh, just trying to figure that out. Paul had to, to fund his travels. I'll need to fund my travels as well. And uh, so that's some of what I'm thinking through. Paul traveled. We, we saw him here in this passage. He was in Corinth, then he was in Syria. I mean, when we think of these places in the world over in the Middle East, to, to think about, I mean, these are actually places where Paul was ministering. You think Syria, we, we think all these you know wars and so on and so forth in our day, but yet those are places where Paul was going, traveling for the sake of the gospel, uh, to spread the gospel, and uh, Think of Turkey. I mean, a place I was looking forward to going in, um, going in uh, September, which that trip got canceled. Uh, but perhaps at some point in time to go to Turkey and travel the places that, that Paul went to see those places. Uh, we were going to see Ephesus. That was part of it. But you notice in in verse eighteen. Now, yes, we're studying the book of Ephesians, but I'm starting off kind of here in the book of Acts, trying to lay some of the groundwork for the book of Ephesians, kind of an introduction. Here's Paul landing in Ephesus. Then you see a couple travel colleagues of his, Priscilla and Aquila, got off, stayed. Paul left uh, the ship briefly to go to the meeting place to preach to the Jews. Uh, he, he, he communicated so well that people wanted him to stay, but he couldn't. He had places he, had, he needed to go, so he said goodbye, and he said, I'll be back, God willing. And then from Ephesus, he traveled to Caesarea, I mean, if you were to go on the map and find those places and see where all Paul was journeying, uh, you would see them. And uh, you could take a Mediterranean cruise, perhaps, and see some of those. Uh, I don't know if there are Christian cruises that uh, that go to those ports. That's something maybe I should investigate 
but to go and, and learn these uh, these places and, and, and visualize what Paul was doing. But beyond the history of it, let's bring it up to you know where we are in our study. Paul is writing to the Ephesians. He's wanting to encourage them. It's a place where the church was established. It was a church, a place where Paul established elders and leadership uh, in in the in Ephesus. Uh, and we see his travel colleagues, Priscilla and Aquila. Notice the names, Priscilla. Uh, and, and I wasn't a lot into the chat here this morning, but uh, hey, Priscilla, our own Priscilla. And what did they do? Priscilla and Aquila uh, took people in and discipled them. They trained people. That's what they did. And interesting, in this particular uh Situation, you would read in another place in Acts that it was Aquila and Priscilla, but somewhere it flipped, it changed along the way. And some scholars believe, some Bible teachers believe that Priscilla became more of the teacher of the two. They hosted people in their homes. They they hosted Bible studies. They, they did one-on-one discipleship, but it's believed that Priscilla was perhaps more of the teacher than was uh, Aquila. Uh, so I just want to encourage you, use the gifts that God has given you uh, to make disciples. Use the gifts that God has given you. It can be one-on-one. It doesn't have to be a large group. Sometimes, and we, some of us yesterday were talking about, you know, we always think we have to have a group of 20, 30 people. Well, sometimes you just need one person and to just really sow into their life. And some of you are adept at that. And uh, so... I encourage you to continue taking that one person, uh, one of you I I know in particular that I'm thinking of, have, have had people in for luncheons and things like that, and you've 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 made an impact. And for all of us to continue thinking through how can we make that impact. So here we see in Acts chapter 18, Paul uh, returning to Antioch, but going through uh, Ephesus. So this is one of the places where we we read about his. Uh, his journey. But then also, you go further, you can just simply go down into chapter 19. And as as we go to chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 41, I mean, this will speak extensively about Paul's time uh, in uh, Ephesus. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Now it happened that while Apollos was away in Corinth, Paul made his way down through the mountains, came to Ephesus, and happened uh, on some disciples there, just kind of came upon some people who'd, who'd believed in Jesus. Oh, boy, what what verse 19, uh, verse 1 of chapter 19 does to me. I mean, Apollos, so here's a disciple. I mean, Priscilla and Aquila really schooled Apollos in the way of Jesus. So you read that in other places. It says, Paul made his way down through the mountains. You know I love the mountains. And then came to Ephesus. I love the mission. Uh, so there's multiplication, there's mountains, there's mission. It can't get any better than that in my thinking. I just love all of those things all coming together like that. He happened on some disciples. The first thing I did is he asked them about the Holy Spirit. and the, the, Pretty much the entirety of this chapter will now speak of Paul's uh, ministry in Paul's ministry in Ephesus and what is taking place there. So, just a couple a couple chapters in the book of Acts to kind of help highlight for us uh, 
where Paul, to whom Paul was writing and why he is writing to them. He ministered to them during his time in the city. Uh, the city housed the 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 temple, the famous temple to the Greek god, uh, Greek goddess Artemis. I mean, some of these temples were very much about sexuality, and, and this is one of those temples. Uh, and yet, as Paul preached the true message, I mean, they they saw they saw nothing really coming through their worship, other than maybe the indulgence in their hedonism. Uh, but they they didn't see the the fulfillment of promise. They weren't experiencing that this 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 god side god sized void in their hearts still continued. And so as Paul preached there, people's uh, hearts began to come to life. And and Paul saw many people convert to faith in in Christ. And and yet at the same time, while while there were those who believed his message, many that believed his message, there were also those who opposed his message uh, because it had implications. As an example, uh, uh, there was a prominent silversmith in Ephesus named Demetrius, and he made uh, he made all kinds of implements and tools and paraphernalia for the temple worship uh, in the temple of Artemis. And his business suffered because of the preaching of the gospel, because people no longer needed to buy their little statues. People no longer needed to buy their little gods and all the things that they were chasing after. And so his business suffered. I mean, so here's a question that comes to us. I mean, can becoming a Christian uh, or how does Christianity, and another aspect of a question here, how might Christianity impact business? I mean, if you're a business person and, uh, you know, you, and I think there's a way to do it that, that's palatable. I think that there's a way to do it that is tasteful. Um, and yet, what if you were asked to do something that really cut against the grain of your beliefs? What would you do? Uh, would, would you allow business to suffer for the sake of the gospel? Now, in this case, it wasn't Demetrius who was turning to faith in Christ. In this instance, uh it is his business being impacted because people no longer went there. I mean, there are stories of the great Welsh revival uh, that took place, and as the gospel was preached and powerfully as a result of the prayers of just a handful of people. So for those of you that will meet today to pray, that handful of people uh, in the great Welsh revival brought such a revival that the bars closed. And the reason that the bars closed uh, was because people were no longer turning to alcohol. Instead of men going and doing their work and going to the bars, they were taking their money and actually going home and loving their wives and their children. Uh, in fact, it says of the Great Welsh Revival that uh, uh, even the donkeys didn't know how to do business because the language uh, of their masters had changed so much. The power of the gospel sometimes can have a profound negative impact on certain aspects of business. And and it created a stir. It created an uproar. Uh, It created a riot, really, in in the city of Ephesus. And Paul had to leave Ephesus because of the gospel. I mean, I had kind of the same thing in a church setting uh, years ago because I preached the gospel as a teenager out of the gate sharing Christ and the necessity of personal relationship with Christ. And and I was told to not come back to a certain church because I was stirring up trouble. They they, they liked it more sedate and, and, 
you know, people need to have options. And, you know, while, while we share the gospel, we don't necessarily believe that there's only one way to heaven and one way to God. And yet I believe that. And I believe that people needed to be baptized as followers of Christ. And, and so I was chased out of a church as a 15 year old, uh, 15, I might've been 16 at this point in time, but, uh, for, for sharing the gospel. It can happen. Now, Paul wrote this letter sometime around A.D. 60, 61, 62. Some, some say A.D. 61, some say A.D. 62, but sometime in that time frame, it's, it's around the same time he wrote uh, the book we just finished, the book of Colossians and Philemon. Uh, he sent all three letters by hand by Tychicus. He's the one that, that went accompanied by uh, Onesimus, who we read about in Colossians chapter 4, we'll also read about him in Ephesians chapter 6 and Philemon chapter 1, uh, and Paul is now sitting in a Roman prison, uh, undergoing his first Roman imprisonment, uh, and he made uh, one of the, and because of his location, this made this particular gospel one of the four prison gospels, I've already ref- referenced that, uh, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and uh, Philipp- uh, and Ephesians. Now, why is it important? I mean, the reason that, that this book, the study of this book is so important uh, is uh, because it's one of his most formal letters. Uh, while, while 2 Corinthians and Galatians abound with personal touches from Paul, either about his own life or that of the recipients, Ephesians uh, is, is formal. Uh, Galatians offers instructions, particularly for those churches overrun with legalism. Uh, this book, Ephesians, deals with topics at the very core of what it means to be a Christian, uh, both, both in our faith, in our beliefs, and then in how we live out those beliefs in our practice. And it really has uh, uh, application anywhere, uh, and it crosses time, it crosses cultures, and, and calls us to a way in which we're supposed to live. Now, now, what is the big idea? Really, there are two segments. I've talked about this briefly already. Uh, the first segment, the first half, uh, is, is applying, uh, is creating, uh, underscoring, delineating the foundation upon which we build, and the second upon applying those truths, uh, Paul spent the first three chapters discussing God's creation of the, of the holy community, the church, uh, and that his gift of grace that came through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Uh, he speaks of the members of this community chosen by God through the work of, of Christ, that we are adopted as sons and daughters of God, we're brought near to the Father through faith in his Son. Uh, and, and all people with this faith, both Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We were dead in our trans, uh, transgressions and our sins. But Christ, when we trust in Christ, Christ makes us alive. He brings us from death to life. So while Paul isn't necessarily responding to a particular theological problem or to a moral problem or to a uh, to to a, an issue of heresy, he wanted to protect against future problems by encouraging the Ephesians to mature in our faith. And so for us to ask ourselves, I mean, are we maturing in our faith? 
Uh, there's, there's all kinds of things that get addressed in this uh, book. I mean, for one, asking ourselves the question, how have we grown since we came to faith in Christ? Uh, you know, the second half of the book, as we study it, will make clear that spiritual growth should occur, and it should occur in the context of community with other believers. I mean, Paul just kind of makes the assumption and makes the assertion both that we are to grow uh, within the context uh, of living and life with other believers. Uh, our, our Christian walk is to be characterized by unity, by holiness, by love, by wisdom, by perseverance in the in the spiritual warfare that we will in, endure. Uh, maturity yields the benefits of, of our moral development, but also extends beyond our moral development to our uh, altruistic development and, and our love for others. Our maturity, our growth in maturity benefits the community at large. I mean, our community should be better because we are Christians. It should be. Uh, you know, the home should be better when one becomes a Christian. Uh, the workplace should be better because the owner is a Christian. Uh, the workplace should be better because the employee is a Christian. We, because of Christ in us, should improve uh, our surroundings and the circumstances around us. Just to think about those things. Uh, there, there, there's so much we can say. Uh, Ephesians, the first three chapters is our position in Christ. The second three chapters is our practice because of Christ our practices on earth and how we live those things out. Um, just trying to make sure I'm working through my notes here to see if there's anything else. So some key verses for you. Let me share with you some key verses. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, let me get over to that screen and show you Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. It's going to give us one of the key verses. Uh, in fact, uh, I need to get into the NIV. Here we go. Verse 3 is a key verse, and this is what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Friends, I, 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 will, I, I will dissect that uh, probably uh, tomorrow or the next day, um, but for us to understand uh, the, the the work of God, to understand the, the work of Christ, to understand that we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's just loaded right up. Friend, today for you to think about the fact that you have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ, all of it, it's all there. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Some of you have heard me diatribe on this particular verse before, but you have been given. So, you know, someone sneezes instead of saying, God bless you, which, which I think is appropriate. We, we do want to see God continue to bless, but we could also say, may God make you continually aware of every blessing he's already provided you in Christ. Friend, just say these words, I am blessed by God. Say it. Come on, say it. I am blessed by God. To live in the reality today of being blessed by God. Oh, my. This is why this verse is one of the key verses. Go down to chapter 2. 
uh, also has key verses for us. Let me take us down to verses 8 through 10. It is by grace, you down at the bottom, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You've been saved by grace through faith. Not from yourselves. Listen, you can't work your way to heaven. You can't go to church enough to get to heaven. You can't be uh, philanthropic enough to get to heaven. The only way to get to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ. It says it right here. It's right in this verse, right in in, in verse uh, 8, it says you're saved through faith. Verse 9 says, not by works, so no one can boast. Uh, it is faith alone that saves you. And it isn't just a, a generalized faith. Well, I believe in stuff. No, I believe in the Savior. I believe in Jesus. Well, another another key verse that we'll pick up on is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. In fact, I'll go, yeah, verse 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope you when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, one. Notice one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, seven times within those three verses, we read the word one. You think unity is a big deal with God? Absolutely a big deal with God that we be uh, united together as believers. Chapter 5, verse 21, another key verse. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, I submit to you. Some would say, well, you're the pastor. You shouldn't be submitting. Well, yes. Uh, there are some of you who who uh, will correct me when I need to be corrected. You will correct me, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'll submit to you, and you submit to me. We, 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 we've made the word submission such a, a negative word in uh, contemporary culture, but submission can be a very healthy thing. It can be a very good thing when we learn to to submit, to surrender, to to listen to one another, um, to help each other. Uh, we, we don't do such a good job at, at hearing each other out, and we need to do a better job at hearing each other out. One last passage here, just in terms of some key verses. Uh, chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Checking my notes here. And it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. But the idea, be strong in the Lord. Friend, be strong in the Lord today. I, I don't know what you will face today. I don't know what I will face today. But I, I will take heart, and I will encourage you to take heart, to be strong in the Lord today. Now, how do you be strong? You flex your muscles? No, you be strong by faith. 
You be strong by surrender. You be strong by submission to the Lord. You be strong by listening to the Lord. You you be strong by being aware of the Lord's presence with you. Those things will strengthen you, and, and as you contemplate his presence with you, as you contemplate the truth of his word, then you begin to have this sense of his mighty power upon you, strengthening you for for how you will need to live today. So I just encourage you, the truth of God's word, uh, this is all just introductory in nature. I mean, we're really not delving into it quite yet. We'll we'll delve in a little bit more deeply tomorrow. Uh, I do want to take a look and just at my notes uh, to make sure I'm not missing missing anything uh, significant here that that you really need to uh, to make sure and take away today. Um, I mean. As followers of Christ, we need to fully understand who God declares us to be. Listen, your parents might tell you, you know, you're going to be a failure. Uh, you know, one at one point, my my dad said to my eldest son, uh, and and this saddens me, but he he said, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. Uh, well, uh, listen, he's married. Uh, he's a an officer in uh, in the army as a captain. Uh, he's married to a wonderful woman. Uh, they have a, a, a solid and substantial income. Um, he is uh, they'll be he's been accepted into a medical school uh, and he'll be going there in a year. So don't listen to what people tell you about who you are. Listen to what God tells you about who you are. We need to fully understand who God declares us to be. We need to become grounded in the knowledge of God's accomplishment on your behalf, all of his accomplishments on your behalf. And we need to understand our, our present existence and walks, uh, our present existence and walk uh, are things that we need to exercise, things that we need to strengthen, things that we need to develop. Uh, and, and we will continue this until we're, we're, we no longer totter back and forth being blown about by everything that comes our direction, and, and we become solid and secure. Well, this is the book of Ephesians. Perhaps more than any the book of the Bible, the book of Ephesians emphasizes the, the connection between sound doctrine and right practice in the Christian life. Far too many people ignore theology, and, and hopefully in this next year, we're going to be offering some opportunities to help you develop more deeply in your doctrine. Uh, and these, some people only want to talk about practicals and how-tos. But if we don't get the foundation, we miss out. So I want to encourage you, uh, get the foundation. Understand the theology. I understand, I mean, because if the foundation is not solid and it's only sinking sand, you know what happens. The storm comes, the, the floods come, and down comes the house. Paul will argue that theology is practical. I will argue that theology is practical. And in order for us to live out God's holy will for our lives in all practical senses, we need to understand who we are in Christ. And and this book is going to help us toward that very end of understanding who we are in Christ. Well, friends, that's a bit of an introduction to the book um, of Ephesians. This is the book we will be studying now for the next while. Uh, and
and uh, I, I hope that it excites you. I hope that what we've looked at just introductorily this morning has has fortified your heart for uh, whatever will come and whatever will happen today. I hope that that's true of you, uh, and I hope you look forward to what we're, we're doing here. Uh, I just want to say to those that have been listening and have been a part of uh, uh, of this daily discipleship, uh, as we've called it now, uh, over the last couple of years, it was it was before that we called it something else, but we started in the last year calling it daily discipleship. Uh, I've made some adjustments and I've made some decisions to, to you might not even be able to detect it, uh, to, to run kind of a lower quality stream because I think as it comes out to you live, it seems like it gets to you better. Uh, and also, sometime perhaps next week, maybe uh, we will uh, get launched the podcast variety of this for those who would choose just to listen in uh, on Podbean, uh, which will be a platform. It will be available on Spotify, uh, Instagram, many other places uh, that it will be available as audio. So, hey, I want to encourage you have a great day. I do plan to try to be here tomorrow, uh, maybe for about half an hour, I think. If all goes well, uh, I'm going to be broadcasting from Massachusetts tomorrow morning, um, a hotel in Massachusetts, and then Thursday morning, perhaps from a uh, Tim Hortons uh, in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, and then Friday uh, again, maybe from, no, wait, tomorrow from, it'd be Friday from Tim Hortons, and then uh, on Monday, uh, I might not be on Monday. I will let you know over the weekend. Watch for the announcement about that because we'll be traveling back. Uh, I'm going to try. I'm trying to keep it consistent here. But anyway, friends, I want to wish you a fantastic day. I want to wish you an awareness of God's presence and all of God's blessings. Lord, help us to walk with you today. Help us to be inspired in who we are in Christ today. And uh, Lord, May we honor you and glorify you in how we think, how we act, how we react, and what we say today. Lord, in our lives, be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for this morning. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.